This is the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, the Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Good morning. Okay, folks. We all know we've got an important primary election coming up here in Michigan on August 7th. Who is going to win? That's what everyone wants to know, right? But is anyone out there in Michigan political land actually projecting winners? We've got a lot of information about the candidates circulating online and in robocalls and in newspapers and on radio. Plus, most voters have received a lot of candidate campaign flyers in the mail, and many of us have had face-to-face contact with the candidates themselves. But is anybody making predictions about who will prevail next Tuesday? No. Nada, nothing, at least until now. In the next few minutes, I'm going to make a lot of predictions for what they're worth, and we'll find out next week how accurate I've been. I'll make calls in races where the primary results will make a difference as to who will win in the November 6th general election. If I do not mention a particular race, It's because there is no real contest in these races, either because one major party candidate, usually an incumbent, is unopposed or has no genuine threat to be defeated or is running in a district that is so overwhelmingly Democratic or Republican that it won't matter who the other party nominates on August 7th. Remember, these are not who I think are necessarily the best candidates, and I'm certainly not endorsing anyone. These are simply my, quote, fearless forecasts, unquote, of the candidates that I predict will win. Let's get started. For governor, Bill Schuette on the Republican side. Gretchen Whitmer for the Democrat. For U.S. Senator, John James for the Republican. For U.S. House of Representatives, in the 8th District, Alyssa Slotkin of Oakland County for the Democrats. In the 9th District, Andy Levin for the Democrats. In the 11th District, Haley Stevens for the Democrats, Lena Epstein for the Republicans. In the 13th district, Rashida Tlaib for the Democrats. Now, let's go to the state Senate. Remember, there are 38 state Senate districts around the state with primaries for the Republicans and Democrats, and for that matter, Libertarians in all 38 districts. But I'm going to be making the call only in the districts where the result on August 7th is really going to make a difference where there's a real contest. So for the state Senate in the first district in Detroit, 
Stephanie Chang, Democrat. In the second district, Brian Banks, former state representative of Detroit, Democrat. In the third, Sylvia Santana, currently a state representative of Detroit, a Democrat. In the fourth district, Fred Durhall, currently a state representative in Detroit for the Democrats. In the sixth district, Robert Kozowski of Westland, currently a state representative for the Democrats. In the eighth district, Peter Lucido of Shelby Township in Macomb County for the Republicans. And by the way, he's a state representative right now. In the 12th district, Jim Tedder, also a state representative right now. He's from Clarkston for the Republicans. In the 18th, Jeff Irwin, a former state representative from Ann Arbor for the Democrats. In the 19th, John Bison, currently a state representative from Battle Creek for the Republicans. In the 21st, Kim Lasada, currently a state representative from St. Joseph in Berrien County in the southwestern corner of the state for the Republicans. In the 24th district, Tom Barrett, currently a state representative from Charlotte for the Republicans. In the 26th district, Eric Nesbitt, who is a former state representative and also a former state lottery commissioner from Lawton, for the Republicans. In the 30th district, way over in the west side of the state on the Lake Michigan shoreline, Daniela Garcia, currently a state representative from Holland for the Republicans. In the 31st state Senate district, Kevin Daly, a former state representative from LUM, L-U-M, in Lapeer County for the Republicans. In the 34th district, Holly Hughes from Montague, a suburb of Muskegon for the Republicans, currently a state representative. In the 35th district, Kurt Vanderwall, currently a state representative in Ludington for the Republicans. And finally, in the 38th district, way up in the western central UP, Ed McBroom, who is from Vulcan in the Upper Peninsula for the Republicans. Now, that's the state Senate, and I'm going to get started on the state House here. Uh, For the state House of Representatives, remember, we've got 110 districts in the state House. I'm going to get started with the Detroit districts and the low numbers. In the second district, Joe Tate of Detroit in the Democratic primary is my pick in the second district. In the fourth district, Rico Rezo of Detroit is my pick for the Democrats. In the fifth district, Cynthia Johnson, Democrat of Detroit, is my pick. In the sixth district, Agogo Adevbi of Detroit is my pick for the Democrats. In the 9th District, still in Detroit, Gary Pollard, a Democrat. In the 11th District, outside of Detroit, Randy Walker, currently the mayor of Garden City, is my pick 
as the Democratic nominee. In the 12th district, also in suburban Western Wayne County, Mike McDermott from Westland for the Democrats. In the 29th district, Kermit Williams of Pontiac for the Democrats. In the 36th district, Karen Lund, wife of a former state representative from Shelby Township for the Republicans. In the 39th district, Marsha Kosmatka of West Bloomfield for the Republicans. In the 40th district, David Wilkinson of Birmingham for the Republicans. In the 41st, Doug Teets, that's spelled T-I-E-T-Z, of Troy for the Republicans. In the 43rd district in Oakland County, Andrea Schroeder of Clarkston for the Republicans. In the 44th district, also in Oakland County, Matt Maddock of Milford for the Republicans. In the 46th district, Cheryl Kennedy of Davison for the Democrats. In the 49th district, these are Genesee County districts in or around Flint, John D. Cherry of Flint for the Democrats. Now, I'm going to break off right now. We're almost halfway through the list of House members, and we're going to cover the rest of the list when we come back in a few minutes. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We're back, and I'm running through the list of the various races around the state that are going to be decided in the primaries, at least in terms of nominations, this coming Tuesday, August 7th. We've gone through governor, U.S. Senate. We've gone through Congress. We've gone through the state Senate, all 38 districts. We've gotten about halfway through the state House of Representatives, and I want to continue with my predictions for winners this coming Tuesday, August 7th, in the Democratic and Republican primaries in the key races, the races where there's a real contest. I mean, I'm not going to predict that Joe Blow, state representative from the 46th district, incumbent who has no opponent is going to win. Of course he's going to win. So I'm not going to make a prediction like that. So if you don't hear the district named, it's because there really isn't a contest or if there's a contest, it's for the minority party in the district, the party that is the weakest, that doesn't have a chance to win in November, like Republicans in Detroit, or maybe Democrats in Western Michigan. Let's get started with the key races in the 51st district state house of representatives. I'm picking Mike Mueller of Linden for the Republicans in the 63rd district. I'm picking Matt Hall of Albion for the Republicans. And that would be an upset because he would be ousting an incumbent Dave Maturin in the 65th district. I'm picking Sarah Leitner of Springport for the Republicans. 
in the 67th district. We're getting into the Lansing area now. I'm picking Kara Hope, who's currently an Ingham County commissioner for the Democrats in the 68th district. And this would be to fill the unexpired portion of a term that's now vacant and also for a full two-year term through 2020. I'm picking current County Commissioner Sarah Anthony of Lansing for the Democrats. In the 69th District, I'm picking the Meridian Township Treasurer Julie Brixie, B-R-I-X-I-E, for the Democrats. In the 71st, I'm picking Christine Barnes of Grand Ledge for the Republicans, and I'm picking Angela Whitwer of Delta Township for the Democrats. In the 73rd District, I'm picking Lynn Affendoulis of Grand Rapids for the Republicans. She's a cousin of a current state representative who's now running for the state Senate. In the 78th House District, I'm picking Kelly Preed of Sawyer, which is over on the Lake Michigan shoreline in southwestern Michigan in Berrien County. In the 79th district, I'm picking Pauline Wenzel, spelled W-E-N-D-Z-E-L, of Watervliet. She's a Republican. That's in the northern half of Marion County. In the 81st district, I'm picking Ken Nickel, spelled N-I-C-H-O-L-L, of Yale. He's a Republican. In the 84th, I'm picking Phil Green, who is the son of a current state senator, Mike Green. Mike Green, a former state representative. Bill Green is from Vassar over in the Thumb, and I'm picking him to win an open seat for the Republican. In the 88th district, I'm picking Luke Meerman of Coopersville for the Republican. In the 90th district, I'm picking Bradley Sla of Zealand for the Republicans. In the 91st district, I'm picking Greg Van Workham, son of a former state representative and state senator. Greg Workham from Norton Shores, a suburb of Muskegon for the Republicans. And because this is a marginal seat, I'm picking Tanya Kabbalah of Whitehall for the Democrats. In the 93rd district, which is just north of Lansing in Clinton and Gratiot counties, to succeed the current Speaker of the House, Tom Leonard, I'm picking for the Republicans, Graham Filler of DeWitt. In the 94th district, I'm picking Steve Gerhardt of Saginaw for the Republicans. In the 98th district, I'm picking Annette Glenn, who is the wife of the current state representative, Gary Glenn, who's giving up the seat to run for the state Senate. I'm picking Gary Glenn's wife, Annette, of Midland to win the Republican nomination in the 98th district. In the 99th district, which is up around Mount Pleasant, that's a marginal district, but I'm picking... uh, to run for the Democrats against the incumbent Republican, Allison Quast-Lentz, who is the current mayor of Mount Pleasant. 
in the 101st district, which is way up north, uh, and then down the Lake Michigan shoreline from uh, Leelanau County down to like Ludington, that area. I'm picking Jack O'Malley of Lake Ann for the Republican nomination. In the 110th district, I'm picking Kirk Schott, spelled S-C-H-O-T-T, of Bruce Crossing. Where the heck is that, you say? Well, that's in the Upper Peninsula, way up in the northwestern Upper Peninsula in the 110th district, God's Country, on Lake Superior, uh, the whole kind of west, northwest edge of the Upper Peninsula from Houghton down to Gogibic. So that's who I'm picking, folks, uh, top to bottom, all the state Senate, all the state House. And uh, remember, we're getting ballot proposals loading up fast. Four are now pretty much certified to go before the voters in the November 6th general election. Recreational marijuana, that'll be ballot proposal 2018-1. Then we've got promote the vote. Promote the vote uh, will certify in the Constitution that we have the right to straight ticket voting, no reason absentee voting, same-day registration, a lot of things to make voting easier. Audits, post-election audits of elections. Uh, Also, the voters, not politicians, that was approved to be on the ballot just this past week by the state Supreme Court in a very close four-to-three vote. That would take the redistricting process away from the legislature and governor and give it to an independent commission. Also, Earn Sick Leave will be on the ballot. And the only one left to be determined is whether there's going to be a proposal to raise the minimum wage. That's still hung up in court. If that's certified, that will be on the ballot on November 6th as well. I'm going to take a short break, and we're going to be back with a special guest for our last two segments. You're going to like this. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. After all the predictions, we're back, and we've got a special guest on the line, somebody who has seen a heck of a lot of elections in Michigan, uh, I think maybe probably as uh, part of his polling firm back to the 1980s, but I think he goes back way earlier than that, if you'll acknowledge it. Bernie Porn, president of Epic MRA. Bernie, nice to have you with us. Always glad to chat with you, Bill. So uh, when did you really get started uh, on polling? Were you doing polling uh, back in the 1970s, even if you hadn't founded your firm, Epic MRA, yet? Oh, yeah. Uh, Back in college, uh, uh, at Aquinas College in Grand Rapids, uh, we were doing some polling back as early as 1972. Uh, uh, Not uh, all that formally, but... uh, 
uh, in the 74 election, we were involved in polling for the congressional uh, special election and Jerry Ford's old uh, old seat in Grand Rapids. Uh, Dick where, Vanderveen, uh, Dick Vanderveen right? yeah. beat uh, Bob Vanderlein. And, right. uh, we were involved in doing polling with Martell and Associates. Wow. That's a long history. And you actually started Epic MRA when? In the, in the late 80s? or uh, 1985, we started a partnership. And then in 92, we uh, established Epic MRA as a corporation uh, uh, full-time. And you're the president. Of course, you're the chief cook and bottle washer. You're everything there. You're the chief guru, commentator, analyst, everything, right? Well, uh, we have uh, folks that uh, do a lot of other things as well. Uh, uh, John uh, Cavanaugh does a lot of the legal uh, work, and also uh, everyone uh, writes and analyzes uh, polling. Uh, and uh, we've got a great data database person, and Neil, and, and uh, Kelly kind of keeps everything uh, operating as an office manager, and uh, he's kind of a chief cook and bottle washer, too. <laughs> So we we got a great crew. Good. Well, okay. Um, You've taken some polls, and I think you came out with one um, earlier this week, if I'm not mistaken. And I I think there was uh, another one done by uh, maybe Marist uh, College, um, NBC. I'm not sure, which had slightly different uh, results. And I'm just kind of curious, what do you see going into the election on this coming Tuesday um, three days from now, August 7th. Um, and what do you account for any difference in the results of these polls? Maybe you can just describe it to our listeners. Sure. Uh, we had, uh, uh, two polls uh, uh, statewide uh, that was done by all of our media partners, uh, including the Free Press, and uh, uh, both of them were over a thousand uh, samples. And we did this uh, on the Democratic side among po- among voters, voter households that uh, have voted in Democratic primaries in the past, uh, and we screened to ask intent to vote in the upcoming uh, uh, primary on the seventh. And uh, so, uh, uh, in the Democratic Democratic side, we have uh, Gretchen Whitmer almost at a majority at 49 percent, Sri Tandar at 22, uh, uh, El Syed at 19 and 10 percent undecided. On the Republican side, uh, again, both of these are over a thousand samples. Uh, we have uh, Bill Schuette leading uh, 42 to 24 over over Cali with uh, Colback at 11, Hines at 8, and uh, 15 percent undecided. Now, in terms of the difference between Marist and in our poll, uh, I was kind of surprised because Marist had uh, over a, a thousand sample that was just among the population, just all adults. And then there was 896 uh, who they had uh, uh, saying that they were going to be voting in the pri- or voting uh, in the uh, uh, general election. Uh, and uh, and it was a general election stratification for their poll, but then they just ask uh, about intent to vote in the in the primaries, and you had seven hundred and seventy nine, I believe the number was, who said they were going to vote in the primary, which. Uh, I always have a problem mixing general election polling and primary polling. You either do a primary poll stratified by who's going to turn out and have the areas contribute to, uh, in the sample as they do in an election, or you do a general election poll. And never the twain shall meet, but the, that poll did uh, combine them. And they had it closer between... Uh, 
uh, El Sayed and uh, and Whitmer. But uh, I kind of stand by our numbers, and I think uh, although uh, El Sayed has Bernie's endorsement, uh, I think that could help him. Uh, it may even cause him to uh, uh, jump over uh, Tanadar, but uh, it's a long way to catch up to uh, to Whitmer. And I know on the Republican side, uh, you've got uh, uh, some pretty uh, hard-hitting uh, ads running right now by Cali, uh, but I kind of doubt if he's going to be able to catch Shooty. And the biggest aspect of the uh, Republican primary is that uh, uh, President Trump, uh, uh, in terms of his favorability numbers and job rating numbers among Republicans, uh, kind of trumps uh, uh, Governor Snyder, uh, because uh, uh, he's at 80% uh, favorability and job rating, and Snyder is at uh, 65% favorability and job rating among Republicans. Now, uh, Snyder has more favorability among independents and Democrats than Trump does, and Trump is actually toxic among independents and Democrats. Uh, but uh, uh, it, is un- it is doubtful that Snyder will help uh, Cali make it through the uh, primary, and we've seen in other elections how uh, Trump has had, I think, a pretty tremendous impact on, uh, on uh, helping candidates, and that is probably what uh, I think would apply in the James Pence race uh we had uh james after after previous uh, polls by other for the groups, u.s uh, senate the republican u.s senate primary correct yeah uh, we had uh, uh james one point over pensler 39 to 38 with 23 percent undecided but the day after we did our poll uh president trump came out and uh endorsed james and another poll came out that had uh, a surge in support for James, and uh, I know Pensler is running some pretty hard-hitting ads right now, attacking uh, James for having an association with Jesse Jackson on affirmative action. I still doubt very much if that's going to uh, move the needle enough to help Pensler overtake uh, James in what I assume is a heavier uh, lead or a, 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 a stronger lead than he had in our poll. Uh, when you talked about the sample size over a thousand, you said uh, was that Democrats? Uh, yep. And then, and then when you said uh, the Maris poll got it down to eight hundred and some general election and seven hundred and some primary, these were all Democrats, right? No, they, they were Democrats and Republicans. Actually, the number among Republicans or Democrats was four hundred and something, and it was three thirty-seven among Republicans. Oh, okay. So you mean that their sample size then for the primary was only four hundred and some for the Democrats? Correct. Wow. And, and I, so that's why I have a lot more confidence in our numbers, and and I've try my best never to uh, uh, mix general election sampling with primary sampling. Uh, and uh, although we do not reach cell phones because it's illegal to call them in an automated uh, poll, uh, which our, po- our polls were, uh, you really uh, cannot assume that uh, these are going to be off uh, when you consider the fact that young voters have a difficult time participating in a presidential, less so in a gubernatorial general election, but they really don't participate more than 8 to 10 percent in a primary election. Now, I could see where in the Democratic primary, uh, Bernie's uh, involvement, uh, Bernie, Bernie Sanders' involvement on behalf of El Sayed may help to uh, increase that number, but uh, it's doubtful that it's going to change uh, dramatically. And on the Democratic side, uh, Sri Tanadar, for all of his uh, uh, spending of uh, campaign funds, uh, he 
uh, is doing well among uh, African Americans and also other races, mostly Hispanic, and he's also winning in Detroit. Uh, but uh, uh, he uh, does does not do as well among other voters and has the highest unfavorable rating of any of the candidates at 33%. And uh, El Sayed uh, runs better among uh, voters age uh, 35 to 49 uh, and especially uh, does well among younger women. So I think uh, Bernie's assistance will certainly help him, maybe help to bump him over, over Tanadar, but I think it is doubtful that uh, he'll come close to Whitmer. Okay, uh, we're going to take a little break here, and we'll be back with one final segment with Bernie Porn, president of Epic MRA Polling Firm. Stay tuned. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We're back to continue our conversation with Bernie Porn, president of Epic MRA polling firm, one of the top polling firms in Michigan for more than three decades. Uh, Bernie Porn has given us uh, something to think about with the uh, governors and U.S. Senate races on both sides, Republican and Democrat, uh, in the August 7th primary in our first segment. I want to ask him about uh, turnout on Tuesday and whether uh, reports this week that the number of absentee ballot requests is up something like 200,000 maybe, um, whether that betokens a big surge in turnout on Tuesday and what necessarily does that mean? And is it comparable, uh, to 2014, which is the last time we had a gubernatorial U S Senate election. Um, and in 2014, there was no contest, uh, in either party for either race, uh, you know, for governor or for U S Senate. Whereas this year, of course, there is. And it, do you think that maybe accounts for the surge in uh, absentee ballot requests? Or do you think there's just generally more excitement about what's going on in Michigan politics this year uh, than in previous years? What do you think, I, Bernie I, Porn? I think it's a combination of all of the above, including, uh, uh, I think, part of the uh, increase in absentee ballots could well be that uh, uh, we have an increasing population that uh, uh, is, is getting older and automatically votes uh, by absentee ballot uh, that becomes uh, over 60 years years of age. So I think that could be a, a piece of it. But uh, the other piece of it is that there is... Uh, uh, a, I think a, a significant, certainly in, uh, on the Democratic side, interest in the elections, and a lot of that is a, a negative reaction to uh, President Trump. Uh, uh, there's a lot more motivation. We have, in our last two statewide, and these are live interviewer surveys, we have been asking the question, on a 0 to 100 scale, how interested are you in the election this year? Uh, and uh, motivated, how motivated are you to vote? 
Uh, and we usually ask that after they've chosen who they're going to vote for, to vote for Gretchen Whitmer or to vote for uh, Bill Schuette if we're doing a general election matchup. And on the 100 scale, 57% of all Michigan voters gave themselves a 100 rating. However, there's a big difference between that number among Democrats and that number among Republicans. 63 to 53 Democrat over Republican gives themselves a 100, and that's the uh, 10 point uh, difference. Among rep- uh, Democratic women, it's 67%. And so you see what's happened in the elections before this in terms of energy among women uh, and motivation among women, a lot of women running for office. Part of that is that uh, women are very, very energized about participating in the elections. So it may well uh, translate into an increase in turnout from uh, around uh, uh, 1.5 in the past uh, for competitive races, 1.5 million in both primaries. Uh, to somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, maybe 1.7, uh, 1.8. I doubt if it's going to be as high as uh, uh, 2 million uh, voting in uh, an August primary, but I could see uh, uh, see it going above the, the 1.5. Now, does that translate into a significant bump uh, for El Sayed? A lot of those uh, ballots have already been returned, and they would have been captured in the poll that we did, and we've got them running third. And so it's doubtful that uh, the measurement of increased turnout is going to automatically help El Sayed. You know, the biggest thing that would help him is if Bernie Sanders' endorsement can increase turnout above and beyond what it would, would otherwise have been. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we had Mark Grebner of Practical Political Consulting, who is a list broker um, in politics uh, over many decades. He predicts that um, if turnout um, because of ballot proposals, and by the way, there are probably going to be five ballot proposals on the November 6th general election ballot. We've talked about this frequently on this program and earlier in this uh, particular program. Uh, and they're including, all, including redistricting now, including redistricting. That's, that's the, uh, the fourth, um, and the only one remaining to be decided is the minimum wage, but all these proposals, all five of them, uh, all are tilted toward, uh, what Democrats and, uh, liberals and the unions would like to see on the ballot would like to see enacted into law. Uh, they're, they're designed, I think at least in part, maybe this wasn't the prime motivation for the petition gatherers, but they're likely to get encourage Democrats to turn out and Grebner. Well, let me just finish here. Grebner, Grebner estimates that, you know, ballot proposals in and of themselves, independent of the races might encourage as many as 40 or 50,000 extra people to come out and vote in a general election, even though that's very mal distributed. In other words, it's going to be concentrated in certain areas where maybe it's not going to make much difference in terms of the actual result. Like let's say it's in Detroit, which is going to be 90% democratic anyway. So what difference does it make? But he says that statewide, you know, if you got 40 or 50,000 extra people turning out, and they're probably going to break about three to one for the Democrats. Yeah, you know, that's maybe 15, 20, 25,000 votes extra that the Democratic candidate 
running for whatever office. It could be the State Board of Education. It could be governor. It could be the Wayne State University Board of Governors. We'll get compared to the Republicans. And, Bernie, you know and I know that we've had some results in this state that have been a lot closer than that. Mike Cox won by, what, 5,000 votes for Attorney General in 2002. John Engler won by... 17,000, and Donald Trump, we know, won by only 10,700. That can make a big difference. What do you think? I I think uh, Mark might be understating uh, uh, the number of uh, voters that will be encouraged to participate. I think uh, the real sleeper is uh, the marijuana proposal. 87% of younger voters uh, are voting yes on that proposal. And if, in fact, they are doing sufficient advertising on it and doing everything from, you know, robocalls to to uh, uh, younger voters on landlines and uh, doing the other things that uh, I think uh, could help, uh, that could increase turnout, I believe, and it's no accident. The, the you know the the Republicans tried their best to keep that off, uh, off the ballot in the uh, at least in the Senate. Uh, uh, did not in the House because the Speaker uh, chose not to uh, bring it up. But uh, they uh, were looking at uh, trying to keep it off the ballot by approving of it with some amendments. So uh, I think their polling shows that uh, uh, it was something that was uh, uh, a potential turnout. Uh, uh, factor and uh, some of the other ones. I mean, the, the uh, minimum wage increase. Uh, the legislature, the Republican-controlled legislature, went out of their way to stop a minimum wage increase uh, uh, from uh, getting on the ballot. And so, if in fact that does make it on the ballot, that would be, I think, a uh, uh, an, an additional factor that uh, could influence turnout. Yeah, Bernie, uh, have you ever seen an election where the president looks like he's going to make such a huge positive difference for anybody he endorses in a primary, uh, the Republican primary in this case, and potentially such a negative factor in the general election? Never, never. I mean, uh, he is such a controversial figure. Uh, uh, I mean, he, uh, uh, as I mentioned before, is toxic among Democrats. You've got uh, 95% uh, in some of our polling uh, negative rating on his job uh, among uh, Democrats. And even uh, independent voters are in the in the 60% range uh, negative rating, and they are motivated uh, uh, to, uh, in a general election, I think, uh, vote against uh, candidates that uh, are too uh, close to Trump, and uh, that is something that uh, as soon as uh, the primary is over, it will be very interesting to see, assuming that Judy is nominated, uh, uh, how he tries to uh, uh, deal with that and uh, maybe uh, adjust his uh, uh, his messaging, because uh, uh, to uh, continue uh, supporting Trump uh, could be uh, the kiss of death in the general election. Yeah, isn't Michigan about 10% below where Trump is in popularity nationally? I mean, he may be in the mid-40s nationally, but he's like 36% in Michigan, isn't Some he? Some polls have showed at the 36%. We have had him in the 37 to 39% range. Okay, well, listen, Bernie Porn, you've been great. Thank you so much for your analysis and your polling data. You're the best. And uh, keep Thank up, you. keep Thank up you the for polling. Me. Thank you. My pleasure. We'll get you back. Thanks very much. Will do. Take care.